Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, through chapter 5, verse 2. So I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles anymore. They base their lives on pointless thinking, and they are in the dark in their reasoning. They are disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong, and who have turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good and to practicing every sort of corruption along with greed. But you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Since you really listened to him, and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit, and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor, because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work, using their hands to do good, so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community, so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way that God forgave you in Christ. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Kids, you are dismissed to King's Quest. It's hard to be different. Last February, an article came out titled The Hipster Effect Why Anti Conformists Always End Up Looking the Same. <laughs> if you don't know what a hipster looks like, here's a picture from the article. So basically, a mathematician came up with a model to explain why people who try to be different from the majority 
all end up looking the same. So for example, clothing trends change. The majority of people follow these changes, but hipsters keep wearing the same different things. <laughs> now here's where it gets interesting. Uh, the person in this photo, the article used, saw the article and it made him really angry that they used his photo without permission. <laughs> and he was frustrated that they said all hipsters look the same. It turns out the angry man misidentified himself. This isn't actually a picture of him. <laughs> Which just proves the point of the article. <laughs> People who all try to be different often end up looking the same. It's hard to be different. We've been in a sermon series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And the first half of Ephesians is all about who Christ is to us. Who Christ is to us. Uh, we've just come to the second half of Ephesians, which is all about the difference Christ makes. The difference Christ makes for how we think and how we live. Uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. There is supposed to be something different about Christians you should be able to tell Christians apart by the quality of our lives together, by the genuineness of our worship of God. Christians are supposed to be different. But that raises a question. What are we supposed to be different from? Who are we set apart from? Look at Ephesians 4.17, uh, where Paul talks about what we are to be different from. And... Brace yourselves, because even as you just heard, Paul is pretty bleak and severe in his words. He says, we're no longer to live the same way the Gentiles live. Gentiles meaning non-Jews, people outside the covenant, pagans. We're no longer to live the way pagans live. Then Paul describes exactly what he means. He says, these pagans base their lives on worthless thinking. Their understanding is darkened. They're estranged from the life of God. They've become so callous and numb that they'll do anything to feel pleasure, no matter how corrupt or selfish. And then Paul says, this isn't just other people. This is how all of us once were. So who are we different from? Well, primarily we're different from ourselves, from our own former way of life. No longer live that way, says Paul. And look at verse 22. Paul says, put off the old self. Or in another translation, take off that old humanity. It's a clothing metaphor. Strip off that old self. Now, Paul has already talked about this old self or old humanity in Ephesians, uh, the second chapter. Uh, he said, we were once as good as dead in our sins. Our way of life followed the way of demonic powers. We were full of anger and wrath. We were without hope and without God in the world. This is the old humanity, the old self, the former way of life. The name that we know this old humanity by today is despair. Despair. And I should say that the despair I'm talking about is not quite the same thing as clinical depression, because despair afflicts all of us. 
Despair is what one Christian philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, calls the sickness unto death. Uh, he's calling to mind uh, the Gospel of John, where Jesus said his friend Lazarus's sickness was not unto death, but then Lazarus died. So Kierkegaard asks, well, what is the sickness unto death then? What is the sickness that leads to death? He said it's despair. Despair is what happens when we become estranged from our own humanity, when we become less like persons and more like machines with automated lives moving from one thought, uh, one, one thing to another without thought or without passion. Or despair is what happens when we do know we're human, but we can't live with ourselves. I see my weakness and limitation, and I say, I wish I was someone else, or I wish I wasn't myself. That's despair. That's sickness unto death. That's old humanity. Earlier this week, I read an article that said, for the first time in 25 years, the life expectancy in the United States has actually decreased. And the reason is just devastating. The researchers said there's been a dramatic rise in what they called deaths of despair. Suicides, drug overdoses, and alcohol-related diseases. The opioid crisis is part of this. It's a brutal metaphor for our national life. We want to become numb to the despair that we feel, even to the point of self-destruction. If you find yourself, just to pause for a moment, if you find yourself in a place of dire despair, or someone you love is captive to that, it's hell, and I'm sorry. There are people here that I know will hold out hope for you and who can help as best they can. Uh, I would just want to say the pastors and care team are here for you, as are the elders. The researchers from this article uh, found that this hopelessness and despair was pervasive. Actually, it cuts across race, class, gender, and education. Uh, We're uh, actually united in this country. We're all afflicted by despair. (laughs) the sickness unto death. It it affects our hearts and our minds and our lives. This is the world that we've come from. This is the world that we live in. And that's why Paul is so bleak and severe. It's not judgment as much as it is description. And God says to us, we no longer need to live that way. We can strip that old humanity off because God has liberated us from captivity to despair and death. God says to us, take off that old humanity. Things are different now. There's supposed to be something different about Christians. I want to tell you a story that captures something about the difference Christ makes in our lives. This is a true story. It happened just last year in a state of despair called Florida. Here's the story. A black man lived in the same apartment complex as a white supremacist named Ken Parker. That's Ken Parker. He was an ex-KKK member. He left because they weren't hateful enough for him, uh, so he became a neo-Nazi. He was a skinhead. He had a swastika tattooed on his chest. Just by looking at him, you can tell he's a white supremacist. 
So one day, that neo-Nazi and his fiancée approached this black man just as his barbecue at the community pool was coming to a close. It turned out he had questions because he noticed there was just something different about this man. It turns out that black man was a Christian and pastor named William McKinnon. And in the moment that a neo-Nazi approached him, imagine this, Pastor McKinnon recognized that God was working in that man's heart, and he began to share God's love with that neo-Nazi. And Ken Parker broke down and began weeping. So Pastor McKinnon invited this neo-Nazi to his predominantly black church just last Easter. This is after Charleston. The next month, the man was baptized. He had become a Christian. And Pastor McKinnon says that Ken Parker repented of his former hatred and identity as a neo-Nazi, and he since devoted himself to learning how to follow God in love. Gives me chills. It's a true story. It captures something of the difference Christ makes. Pastor McKinnon apparently has a boundless love. It doesn't matter who you are. And he has a fearless love because when he was approached by a neo-Nazi, his first instinct was to tell him of the love of God. That's different. And then there's this neo-Nazi being baptized out of the evil of white supremacy into the imitation of Christ's love in a predominantly black church. That's different too. There's supposed to be something different about Christians. That difference has to do with what we learn from Christ. Nothing less than a new way of being human. We learn Christ, and it makes us different kinds of people. Paul describes this difference as putting on a new kind of humanity, being clothed in a new self. Look at verse 23. Paul says, You were taught in Christ to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I used to think that the Christian life was only about being saved and helping others to be saved by telling them about the gospel and hoping for them to believe. And I was just really zealous about this, especially when I was a student at college at Santa Cruz. I was always talking to people about Jesus. And one of those people was my uh, Hebrew professor, who is just the most wonderful, smart, generous Jewish woman. We'd have these great conversations. I'll never forget a conversation I had with her uh, my last quarter of college. We were walking through campus and talking about the death of Jesus and why it mattered. And I was uh, trying to explain that Jesus is a sacrifice for our sins and Uh, This sacrifice reconciles us to God. And at that moment, she just stopped walking. And she took off her glasses and looked at me and said, Yeah, but I don't get it. So what? And uh, I thought, well, the so what is obvious. It's that we're reconciled to God. So I I thought maybe I hadn't explained myself well enough. And I 
started saying more about Jesus and sacrifice, and she said, no, 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 no. I don't get it. What's the point? What difference does it make? And in that moment, I realized just how shallow my understanding of being saved was, how shallow my understanding of life with God was, because the best I could have said is, well, you tell other people, and then they tell other people, and then they tell other people, and uh, hopefully we can all be saved. And so I left college with the question, so what? Burning in my stomach like bad cafeteria food. In Christ, God has saved us from sin, death, and the devil. So what? What's the point? What difference does it make? Paul says, now that we are saved by grace through faith, we are to put on a new kind of humanity, to clothe ourselves in new humanity, and the new person we become is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When I came to this church 10 years ago, not long after graduating college, I began learning that being Christian, being saved, is about becoming more fully human. God has created all human beings to bear the image and likeness of God, and salvation means that we're restored to that image. The despair and death we see everywhere in the world represents a desecration of God's image the corruption of the image, the damaging of God's likeness. Paul tells us, put on a new humanity, created after the image of God. So how do we do that? (laughs) Paul says, verse 20, we learn Christ. This is a really interesting phrase, isn't it? He doesn't say we learn about Christ. He doesn't say we learn from Christ. He says we learn Christ. We learn a person who shows us what sort of persons we may all become. This means the most basic posture of Christian life is learning. We're learning to grow up into a new humanity. And learning takes time. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with the church. We're learning Christ together. We're still learning how to be human in all kinds of ways because salvation, being saved, actually permeates our whole lives. It affects our minds, hearts, hands, and mouths and how we use them. And this is what Paul talks about in verses 25 to 29. New humanity. We're supposed to tell the truth. That's our mind. We're not to sin when we're angry. That's our hearts. We're supposed to work in such a way that we contribute to the common good. That's our hands. And we're supposed to use our language in such a way that reflects the grace of God and builds up. That's our mouths. When we learn Christ, we learn God's way of being human. When we learn Christ, we learn God's way of being human. So let me ask you a few questions. Is it possible to put on this new humanity and be judgmental people? It seems to me that of all people in the world, Christians ought to be the least judgmental 
and the most gracious because we are saved by the grace of God. Is it possible to put on this new humanity and be cynical? It seems to me that of all people in the world, Christians ought to be the least cynical, the most open and gracious to others, even in anger and truth-telling, because this is the way that God is with us when we aren't right. Is it possible to put on this new humanity and live in despair? It seems to me that of all people in the world, Christians ought to be the least despairing because we have hope in a God who gives life to the dead. Of course, it's possible for us Christians to be judgmental, cynical, and despairing. But we should at least be able to say that we're learning to be different. With enough practice, with enough time, with enough grace, we will learn Christ. Less judgment, less cynicism, less despair, more humanity. When we learn Christ, we learn God's way of being human. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I don't think I'm making this up. So Christians are supposed to be different. That difference comes from learning Christ and becoming more fully human. But here's what we need to get. We don't make that difference. It's the difference Christ makes. Christ makes all the difference in the world for us. Jesus Christ, it's God's promise for new humanity. The early church father, Athanasius, says that when an image is badly damaged and in need of restoration, you need to know what the image was first supposed to look like in order to restore it. After all, art restoration can go really badly. Here's an example of that. Uh, There's an image of a 19th century Spanish painting of Jesus called Ecce Homo, Behold the Man, and that's the image of its restoration just a few years ago. As you can see, I hope, the restored image is an utter catastrophe. And perhaps we can take this as a metaphor for what happens when we try to make a difference ourselves, when we try to create a new humanity ourselves. Utter catastrophe. When an image is in need of restoration, we need to know what the image is that we're restoring it to. We also need the right artist to restore it. Jesus Christ is the image, and God is the artist. Jesus Christ becomes fully human, and in so doing becomes the true image of God, God's portrait. And God the artist restores our humanity to that image, the image of Christ, the image of God in true righteousness and holiness. For Paul, it's the righteousness and holiness of Jesus that make all the difference for us. It makes us new humans. Look at chapter 5, verse 2. We see the righteousness of Jesus in that he loved us. That he loved us. Because that love works out into our life and deliverance. And we see the holiness of Jesus in that he gives himself completely to God. A fragrant offering and sacrifice. And that sacrifice makes us a people who praise the glorious grace of God. When old humanity was darkened in understanding by the knowledge of good and evil, 
and estranged from the life of God, Genesis tells us that God clothed them in animal skins. The gospel now speaks a better word. God gives us different clothing to wear. God clothes us in Christ. Thanks be to God.